This is the Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Catch Stan every weekday at 2 on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. They moved the Mike Tomlin press conference up to Monday today because of the short week with Carolina coming here on Thursday. So we did not get on the air until just a couple of minutes ago. Hope you heard the Mike Tomlin press conference. Some interesting thoughts about that and some of the things that he was able to say. And then tomorrow, instead of the one-hour show, because of the Tomlin press conference, we'll be doing a full two hours from noon until 2. It probably was a mistake and a knee-jerk reaction and an overreaction to the Steelers' bad start. It wasn't an overreaction to some of the issues that led to that bad start. But it was probably an overreaction to define the season, say, oh, woe is us, they're doomed. Teams evolve. Some teams start out hot, and then the true nature of their abilities becomes evident. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, anyone? Or some teams start out slowly and then find their stride. Doesn't always happen. But look at the L.A. Chargers. Look what they did. Look where they're at now. And let's look at the Steelers. Let's remember a couple things. That this Steeler team, in the offseason, leading up into camp and through the preseason, was considered the second-best bet in the AFC to win the conference championship. That's changed now because of Kansas City and perhaps to a lesser degree, the Chargers. But what the Steelers are doing now is what most, quote, experts expected them to do. And teams evolve. Now, you cannot dig yourself a mathematical hole so that you can't climb out. You start out 0-4. The mathematics say the chance of you making the playoffs are not great. If you start out 0-1-1, The percentages are against you, but it's not defining. Now we're at the midway point. Now we get a better idea of what this team is, and let me put it this way, see if you agree. This team right now is playing more like what we expected than by what we saw in the first month of the season. It's hard to know where to begin with them and the improvement because the same players basically are playing. But I'm going to start with the offensive line. This is the same offensive line that had three pro bowlers last year. Many thought that Marcus Gilbert deserved a call. And maybe Ramon Foster's not a pro bowl player, but he's very good. And the glue that holds that line together. Tomlin was asked about that today at the press conference. What makes this offensive line so good? Well, the obvious talents of the players. We'll start there. But also the fact that they've played together for quite some time. And Tunch is going to join us at 120. And I want to ask him about cohesion on the offensive line, exactly what that means. Uh, Who would know better than him? 
But Tomlin said <clears throat> the fact they've played together for such a very long time. Maybe it took him a while to learn how to block for James Conner. <clears throat> maybe how you block, I mean, the assignment is the same, but maybe the timing, the technique is different with James Conner as opposed to what it has been for Le'Veon Bell. It's interesting to me, I don't know about you, I'm going to talk about Conner momentarily, but does it seem to you as though Conner, a straight-ahead guy at Pitt, a straight-ahead guy last year when he was still healthy, does it seem to you as though James Conner has adopted at least a little bit of J- of uh, Le'Veon Bell's running style? I know he, he hits it right up in there, but do you notice, as I do, that there are times when at the line of scrimmage he'll stutter step to find a hole, create a better angle to get away from a tackler? Maybe that was part of it. The pass protection of the offensive line has always been good. You go back to the last couple years, not to mention this one, last year Ben, if I'm not mistaken, got hit fewer times than ever before in his career. This year it's just been phenomenal. Yesterday, Ben got sacked once, and you know what? I'm not even going to count that as a sack. Why? Because, in essence, that play at the end of the game was more like a running play. In other words, he could have taken a knee, but if you back up in the line of scrimmage, it takes another three, four, who knows, five seconds before the defense finally gets near you. That was not a pass protection sack. That was merely Ben squeezing as much time off the clock as he possibly could. It really wasn't a sack. So if we take that away, and I'm going to do that. I don't care about the statisticians. I know it goes as a sack. But you know what? If that was a kneel down, it wouldn't have been a sack. It's a running play. This was a running play that happened to go for a larger loss. Took more time off the clock. If you consider that, Ben has been sacked one time in the last four games. That was that sack by Miles Garrett last week against Cleveland. He made a heck of a move. One sack in four games. Now, yeah, Ben did get hit yesterday. And I'm not talking about when he ran the ball and then got the wind knocked out of him. Thank your lucky stars, that's all it was. You can always get your wind back. Getting your shoulder back from a separation is not nearly as as easy. So he did get hit a bit, but let's remember something else too. He threw the ball 47 times. He dropped back 47 times. I think, if I can have one little criticism, That's a bit too much. Now, they certainly ran James Conner enough, and he was very involved with all the touches he had. Seven catches, 24 carries, 31 touches. So 24 carries for Conner for 107 yards, four and a half per carry, that's great. 47 throws, well, maybe that's what Baltimore was giving him. But you heard what Ben said at the beginning of the broadcast today. 
said, we're a team that passes to set up the runs. Although, in their first couple drives, they ran the ball very, very effectively. But you're not doing either without that offensive line. I made a note to myself before the game. If Connor can run, the Steelers will win. Just the way I thought about traditionally what Baltimore's been able to do to the Steelers. Not all the time, not every time, but when they have success, they bottle up the Steelers' run. And that's exactly what they did in the first game where Connor only had 19 yards on nine carries. They didn't run him enough, but also they fell behind by so much. Connor took the running game away, but he should always get more than nine carries. I don't care what the game circumstance is. And run they did. It also seems to me about James Conner, we've talked about him a great deal, that they are utilizing James Conner in a lot of respects the way they use Le'Veon Bell. When you stop and think about it, Conner was supposed to be a running back, maybe just a guy who does check downs, but he has now become an integral part of the passing game. Maybe not to the degree that Le'Veon Bell was, but Connor's become more involved. Ben said after the game that Connor's become a very important integral part of the passing game because he now understands the Steeler passing game. It's not just a matter of getting in position to catch a screen pass. It's not just a matter of being a safety valve and based on the play call, knowing where you have to go, it's a matter of adjusting. Ben was saying he now understands. He's Ben says, Connor is where I expect him to be, where I need him to be. That's the key, where I need him to be. And by that, he meant, and Charlie Batch explained this on the postgame show yesterday, it's not enough to say, okay, on this play, I go to this area, And if Ben needs me, I'll be there. But as Charlie explained, it's much more than that. You just don't go to a spot and stand there. Quarterback rolls one way or the other. You got to roll with him. You got to come to the ball. You got to come to the quarterback. If the quarterback is flushed out of there or he's under duress, you've got to move to an area where you can help him out, where you can be available to him. And that's what Connor is doing. He understands the conceptual part of the passing game. And that's one of the reasons why he's so valuable. We get back to the offensive line. A couple of individuals I wanted to point out, and I will do so as we go along. David DeCastro is not only a pro bowler, he's an all-pro. Arguably the best guard in the game, one of, certainly. I have a lot of respect for C.J. Mosley, heck of a player, but David DeCastro ate his lunch. And what can you say about Josh Dobbs? I mean, (laughs) really? Who didn't expect... Dobbs to throw, second and forever from the five-yard line. The thing about Ben's 
getting knocked out of the game for the one play. Not only did he get knocked out of the game, I thought to myself, on top of that, Villanueva was called for holding, and Ben's going to get knocked out for making a play that would have made it third and manageable for naught because the play is going to be wiped out by a holding penalty. But it's unbelievable that Dobbs came in. I expect him to run the ball, maybe run out the series until and force him to punt. That would have been a big deal at that point in the game. Steelers punting from their own end zone. And Ben said after the game, I don't know if you heard this or not, that Randy Feekner thought that they could hurt the Ravens down the middle in the pass game. And that's exactly what the Dobbs to Juju pass did. And I kept wondering, was that the same play where Juju dropped the ball, which really looked like it was going to hurt him? I wonder if that was the same play, because that certainly was wide open as well. We're going to talk about some of the individuals on defense. How about Mike Hilton? How tremendous is he? And some things that didn't go so well. But first up, we'll talk to Tunch. He'll be joining me momentarily. Gary says on Facebook, they may be the best team in the AFC North, but I'm not so sure about being a strong contender for becoming the AFC champs just yet. Still a lot of work in the last eight games. Undoubtedly, tough opponents beginning Thursday night, but they are a different, would you agree, they're a different team today than they were one month ago. Tunch joins me next. We're at the Steelers facility on the south side for Saverin on Sports on your home of the Steelers, ESPN Pittsburgh. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Steelers 0 for 1 on third down, third and 5 at the 7. Roethlisberger in the shotgun. Decibels go up at MT Bank Stadium. The Steelers. Operating left to right. Ben gets the snap. He's back. He throws it to the right. Running for the end zone. Connor gets a touchdown from Pittsburgh for James Connor. His first as uh, the 2018 season moves along. Eric Weddle couldn't keep him out of the end zone. I don't want to take anything away from James, but I mean, the, the big boys up front are opening holes, and and, and so it's a collective, it's a collective effort. Um, James is going above and beyond. I'm more pleased by what he's doing in the passing game and from a blitz pickup standpoint that's a little bit more unique than 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 the, than the Russian we we knew he could run the ball since he showed up at Pitt at 18 or 19. So a shout out to the offensive line not, again not taking anything away from James Conner uh, how could you um, I, I, you know, I thought it was interesting that um, he has had so many touches uh, and he was asked about, boy, you know, 108 touches in the last four games, something like that, whatever it is. And he said, I'm built for this. Uh, and he certainly uh, is. But it was interesting, Mike Tomlin gave a shout-out to the offensive line, which is a perfect segue into Tunch joining us now um, on Monday. You normally join me on Monday. Right, so it's, yeah, it's an yeah. hour late. Yeah. Well, we moved the clocks back, you right. see. So <laughs> that, that's, why, that's why we're all messed up over here. Right. Tunch, by the way, is brought to us by Calusi Chevrolet. Uh, Tunch, during the Mike Tomlin press conference today, he was asked about how good the offensive line is. Right. Was there any reason for it? And uh, the obvious talents of the individual players, Right. the tutelage under Mike Munchak, 
but he mentioned that they've played together for a long period of time. And I teased this earlier this hour, no one better to ask than you, how important, how valuable is that when offensive linemen know what the other one is doing? You know, it, it is uh it is so valuable, Stan. I mean, you know, for instance, like let's let's take combination blocking. Uh, if if say that uh, Ramon and uh, uh, Big Al are having a combination block on the defensive uh, tackle, and you know, to to have a feel for when you come off on the next level or when you stay, that's playing together. Uh, you know, one of the plays that uh, that the Steelers have been running a lot is what we used to call Ride 38, where uh, it's going to the outside. The onside guard, David DeCastro, is pulling, so he's got the first guy. He's kicking out the, the corner, or he's going to log the corner. Pounce is the second guy out, and he is going to play off uh, David DeCastro's block. So if there's, if there's uh, pursuit coming from the inside, he's got to see it. If... David DeCastro logs the guy, he's got to know, know to bounce it outside. If David kicks out, he's got to cut up inside to pick up either the safety or the inside backer. The first guy shows in that window. So the more you do that, uh, the better you have uh, a feel of what the guy that you're going to combo off of is going to do. So, And, and even in um, you know because of the twists and stunts that they run, uh, in uh, 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 against pass protection. Now you've got a feel of the guy next to you, so you know, okay, I'm going to stay with my guy or I'm going to pass my guy off and take the trailer. So all those things factor into playing together. And then there's the nonverbal communication, uh, Stan. You know, there's a wink, nod, hey, this guy's in the gap. I'm going to block down. Ramon, you come around. Uh, and Is that all... I mean, does the does the off the the offensive lineman have the flexibility, yes. the latitude to just decide that on their own? Right. Does the rest of the line know what's going on? Well, you know, if you hear, you know, uh, sometimes yes and sometimes no. Sometimes it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, we used to call it a G call, where the tackle would come down and block the offensive guard's uh, man, and the guard would pull around and pick up the linebacker because of the uh, of the way the uh, the angles work out. And so, uh, yes, uh, a lot of times you can uh, uh, you can make that call, uh, or it's just a wink. Uh, you know, it's sometimes yeah you know, you've got to make the call very obvious, and and everybody knows. Uh, you know what Wolf did that to John Colby one time. He's going straight, straight, straight. Colby goes, "Why don't you just tell the defense?" <laughs> uh, so uh, you know, so it, it's uh, uh, you know. So yeah, so the the playing together, uh, really it, it really really helps. By the way, you're going to like this. The fans uh, listening may be way ahead of us, but we just got the official word that the Steelers Jacksonville game has been moved to one o'clock. Oh, that's great! Yeah. Oh, is that great? Yeah, it was a sun, sun a week from Sunday night. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> it's not good for me because I wasn't going to have to do the post game show that day because <laughs> it was an away game at night. Now it's a one o'clock game. I'll do it. I'll sacrifice. Uh, for the good. I don't know if it's the good of the audience, yeah. but uh, in any event. So uh, if you didn't know, that Steeler game has been moved to a 1 o'clock game down in Jacksonville. Um, I was wondering, we look at how the Steeler team has evolved. Right. I think I once remember talking to Bill Cowher, and Bill said to me, he said it takes about six weeks yes. for you to get an idea of what kind of team you have, even if the same 53 come back, which never happens. but. Right. 
Um, so here on September 30th, Steelers got thumped by Baltimore. Yes. Manhandled physically. <clears throat> Doom and gloom. People lined up on the 6th Street Bridge, ready right. to jump, you know, yeah. like always around here. Um, you know, after every Steeler loss, after every Penguin game, people are ready to jump. Um, and it's too early. Uh, and they've really evolved. And I wonder if we look at the emergence of James Conner, the force that he's become, if the offensive linemen, the assignments are the same, but if there wasn't a bit of an adjustment to blocking for him as opposed to how they block for Le'Veon Bell. Well, there really isn't, Stan. You know what? You 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 just you're not thinking. Oh, like in my day, I got Frankie Pollard behind me. No, I got Franco behind me. You you still come off the ball and you want to drive your guy off, but it's where the running back gets into a timing rhythm with his offensive line, uh, because that's where uh, you know the growth comes. That's where the development comes. You know that that's where kind of the sight adjustment, if you will, come. Okay, now they're overplaying it outside. I'm going to cut it back to the inside. And it, it is, it's just a matter of getting all the reps together. And that's why, you know, you've heard me say this several times. They don't get enough work in the preseason. Now, I understand it because you're, you're, you're worried about your guys. You want to keep them healthy. You want them playing well uh, the second half of the season. But in our day, we played a lot. So coming into week one and week two, we were on the same page. Uh, you know, th- and so that doesn't happen. And it's, un- and it's not unique to the Steelers. It's, it's league-wide. Uh, and, and so what you're seeing now is that offense gelling because they're playing well together. Everybody's on the same page. Uh, you know, the calls are on the same page. The uh, uh, the nod nod wink wink between you know hand signals between Ben and either A B or Juju, uh, those things are starting to that they're all happening now because uh, there is a consistency in 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 playing together and that's just the way it is. Well, let me ask you this: I mentioned this before you came on. I mean, James Conner's running style is completely different, obviously, but. I've noticed a little bit of Le'Veon Bell in James Conner that I haven't seen before. Right. A little bit of a stutter step, a little bit of a hesitation, create a better angle um, going away at the line of scrimmage from a defender. Have you seen any of that? Yeah, you know, I think that, uh, you know, early in the season, you know, James is a quick hitter. You know, he hits the hole very, very quickly. Uh, one of the things I think he's, uh, uh, in one of the ways that he is growing is if if there's not a hole there now, he's not bouncing it to the outside or trying to cut it way back. He's allowing it to develop. You know, one of the things that makes Le'Veon so effective is that he has the patience of Job. He can, uh, he'll stop. He'll let the the second surge that we use, we call it the second surge. You come off the ball, and sometimes there's a stalemate, but you stay on your guy and you keep driving your legs. Now, when the defender he's he's looking for the offensive lineman, he raises his pad level up. Now you get that second surge. James is starting to be patient a little bit more and allowing the second surge to take place. And so that's great because, uh, you know, I love that that he's a quick hitter and I love the patience that I'm seeing in him now. And the other thing that I think that James uh, has going for him is he's got great eyes. 
You know, he sees uh, the over-pursuit. He sees where the crease is. And uh, there doesn't have to be a big crease for him to, to, to fire up through it and just keep moving forward. Great running backs have great vision. Right. That's exactly what yeah. you're, you're talking about. Uh, were you as shocked as everybody in the universe when Josh Dobbs came in and threw that pass? I was. Whether he checked off or not, um, you know, you're in the five-yard line. You know, we don't know how long Ben's going to – I thought that they would run twice, just get me out of here and punt and then play some defense. Um, I'm just wondering what your reaction was. I, 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 during the broadcast, I said, good time for a quarterback draw. That's what I said. And, uh, and then when I saw him drop back and throw – uh, and make that throw, I went, wow. Now, in retrospect, I'm not surprised because Josh has been practicing really, really well. I mean, he has been throwing the ball great. He's been having great practices. You know, Wednesday, Ben doesn't practice. Josh takes, uh, uh, you know, the majority of the offensive reps, and he has looked sharp. Josh Dobbs has improved so much from last year to this year. And, uh, you know, I saw it early in camp. Uh, I saw it through the development uh, in the preseason games, and I've been witnessing it in practice through the course of this season. And he is going to be a player. you got to believe Baltimore thought exactly as everybody else in the building. Right. I mean, you know, that had to be part of it. And I don't know if you know the answer to this, Tunch. I know you've been watching uh, tape all morning um, after you got done with your show. But Ben said after the game that Randy Feekner thought – that they could hit Baltimore up the middle, right. on the seam. And that's exactly what they did with Juju on that play. And I'm wondering, my question is, if I ever get to it, was that the same play where Juju dropped that pass, which was right over the middle? Uh, you know, it was. It, it might have been. I don't know if it was the exact same play, but Ju when Juju came across from the left side, the ball hit him uh, sooner in the route, and it hit him in stride. That ball uh, was a little low. low. It was a really a good catch by Juju. Somebody but, said it may have been tipped at the line of scrimmage a bit. Uh, you know, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't notice that. Uh, I, I. I personally didn't notice that, but it might have been. Um, but the 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 first one that Juju dropped, he that ball he had his head around. He was looking down. Mm -hmm. If he if he catches that ball, he's still running. Yeah, yeah. It it was just a, it was a beautiful throw. But you know what? You know you're gonna have uh, you're gonna have those drops and uh, and you know you're talking about uh, you know Tony uh, Tony Jefferson, the strong safety. You know he's got a ham. He's not as fast as he used to. Eric Weddle has lost a step. Uh, and he's not uh, in, in position like he has been uh, in the past. And so, uh, you know, their safety and, and uh, you know, their corner, they've, they've had issues at corner. Uh, you know, Jimmy Smith's back, but he's been very inconsistent. Uh, you know, Marlon Humphreys has probably been their best guy. Brandon Carr got beat on an out and up by Jesse James. You know, he, he, he bit on that out, and, uh, and, it, it, and, you know, they run that out from the tight end spot uh, a, a lot. So he read it and said, okay, I'm going to jump this route. He jumped it. All of a sudden, boom, uh, you know, Jesse uh, survived. Up. Yeah. He survived the ground this right, time right. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> after he bobbled after it, he bobbled after it. he was auditioning for the, the men's volleyball right. team. Yeah. Um, last thing for you, Tunch, uh, I talk about teams evolving. The arrow on, arrow on this team is clearly pointed up. Um, to what, if you can narrow it down, to what do you attribute the obvious improvement in their defense? I'm going to be talking about this next segment. In the last four games, they've allowed 17, 21, 
18 and 16 points. That's winning football. Right, right. I, I think, number one, their secondary is getting used to playing with one another. You're seeing uh, – now we're seeing a little bit uh, a little bit more of Morgan Burnett. Uh, I think John Bostic has just been outstanding. Uh, you know, you watch John Bostic in the running game. He doesn't get blocked. He just doesn't get blocked. And Vince Williams has been playing well. Fort. Uh, 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 and LJ, you know, you bring LJ in passing situations. LJ is fast, and he plays very, very fast. Uh, you know, uh, I think he was a 4-5 guy in college, and he just he just makes plays. And when he blitzes, uh, it, it's uh, I think he surprises quarterbacks. He gets on them so quick. So I think that, uh, uh, that's been a big part of it. I think Stefan Tewitt is playing better. I think Cam is playing really good. And I, and I just think that we're seeing more of, uh, of pocket collapsing. And, look, you can't say enough about Joe Hayden. Having Joe Hayden out there, uh, you know, the guys feed off him. Uh, not only his physical ability and his talents, but he his veteran leadership. Uh, you know, he's a great example for the guys out there. So uh, I just and, – and also, I, I'll tell you what. Having Sean Davis at free safety, yep, he is much better at free safety than he was at strong safety, and he's much better at free safety than what we had last year. And I, I just think he's been playing uh, great football. He he does a great job of playing the angles, and I think uh, you know the back end is uh, has been doing a really really good job. And, and Cody Setsabaugh, I'm a big fan. I mean, he is you know he doesn't have the physical ability that some players, but you talk about playing with Save. Savvy, rather, smarts, uh, experience. Cody is the man. Yeah, I mentioned that about Sean Davis on the DB Morning Show. That, you know, they, he's playing in position, not yeah. out of position, which he had been. Tunch, as always, thank you. I enjoyed the football talk. Always learn something when we talk. Thanks, Dan. Always good being out with you, buddy. All right, don't forget, Tunch and Wolf, every weekday morning, 10 until noon. Then I come down and mess things up. We're going to talk about defense. We've got this date in sports history and birthdays. Uh, by the way, tomorrow on the show, Mike Lang, who's normally on Mondays, he'll move to Tuesdays. Um, Rob King will join us tomorrow as well. That's tomorrow. Still more ahead, though, today on Saverin on Sports on ESPN Pittsburgh. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Okay, Flacco in the gun, second and 10 at his own 24, gets the snap. Pocket collapses. He rolls left, and they tackle him. And that is Stephon Tuitt. Did the ball come out? It doesn't matter. It's a big sack. Talk about what the Ravens offense does uniquely well. I think they were third or fourth in the NFL in red zone offense. So to hold those guys to field goals in the first half when they were way down there, I thought, was also significant. And I think those are the two most significant elements of the game, holding those guys to field goals in the first half with the defense and converting third downs uh, in the second half with the offense. And... The third down conversions can't be understated. Last time, the Ravens were 8 for 17. They dominated time of possession. Yesterday, they were only 4 out of 12. The Steelers had 13 more minutes of possession. That helps your defense. Your offense, in essence, is playing defense by possessing the football. And I know there are a lot of concerns about this defense. And I don't know that they're ever going to be great. But as I told you last year, I really thought I saw signs of them getting better. Now, the loss of Shazier had a tremendous effect on them. The stats, not just a matter of 
looking for reasons. The stats were that when they lost him, the defense got significantly worse. And that's not to blame bad defense on the miss, you know, not having one player, albeit a critical one. But I really thought I I was beginning to see some progress. As As Tunch was saying, I think there are a lot of things at play here. Tewitt was not healthy almost all of last year. I still have concerns about Hargrave in the middle. But I think, while Bud Dupree might not be the best draft pick ever, he's at least proving not to be a total bust. I think the Joe Hayden factor is a major factor. I do think that Sean Davis moving from strong to free has made a big difference. He's better at it and certainly better than Mike Mitchell. The return of Morgan Burnett, and I didn't think he had a great game yesterday, but the return of Morgan Burnett gives them flexibility now. Tomlin was asked about that today, and he made it sound as though it won't be long before Morgan Burnett is the starter and Edmonds will be the backup or used in sub-packages. I didn't think that would happen. That's how highly they think of Morgan Burnett. I mean, Edmonds had a penalty yesterday. I'm going to get to that. But he also made a tremendous athletic play at the goal line. Remember the play I'm talking about? He went up high. He leaped up and knocked the ball away. That could have been a touchdown pass. He also committed a pass interference penalty. And that leads to the larger discussion about the defense. That defense was great in the red zone. Baltimore just one of four. And by the way, coming in, they were the best red zone offense in the NFL. They had scored on their first 12 possessions throughout the season. And the Steelers allowed only one touchdown, and the touchdown they allowed was aided greatly by penalties. Now, I thought the calls were legit. I'm not complaining about that. And overall, penalties, they'd quieted down a great deal. You know, the first four games, the Steelers led the NFL in penalties. The next three games, they had cut that number in half. And I had a conversation with you about that. That's one of the good signs. Yesterday, they returned. And the penalties they took were big ones. Holding, pass interference, a ton of yards. Eight penalties for 103 yards. Baltimore, five penalties for 25 yards. Although Dale Lally pointed out that this crew, the Rolstead crew, the Craig Rolstead crew, throughout this season, not just the Steeler game, but all the games they've officiated this year, they have called twice as many penalties on the visiting team as they have the home team. Maybe that's a pattern that they're not aware of. Maybe it's a pattern the league ought to say, hey, are you guys aware of this? But I'm not complaining about the calls. I, 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 again, I, I don't d- deny any of those calls. Gary posts on Facebook and says, I'll feel a lot better when the penalties stop. We're extending too many of the other team's drives with dumb penalties. I know it's not just the Steelers, but why aren't corners taught to turn and look for the ball? When the receiver looks for the ball, then you look for the ball. 
I made this exact same point yesterday on the postgame show. Now, in this case, it wasn't the corners. Burnett got called. Edmonds got called. That's the technique. You're taught to look at the receiver's eyes. And when you see him look for the ball, if you're in front of him, then you look for the ball. Then you turn your head. And if you're turning your head and playing the ball, you will not get called for pass interference. Still in all, when you look at the evolution of this defense, the last four games, they've given 17 points to Atlanta, a great offense. And by the way, they're a team that's coming together. 21 to the Bengals, and yes, I've talked about this before. Yeah, there was that last-minute drive that tied the game before the Steelers were able to come back and win it on the the bend to uh, A.B. touchdown pass. Then they gave up 18 to the Browns, but the last touchdown came with 30. It was garbage time, right? It was 33 to 12 or whatever it was. And then yesterday they gave up one touchdown and forced the Ravens to kick three field goals. That's winning football. In the last four games, the Steelers are giving up less than 20 points per game. And you can talk about the offenses if you want and say they're not that good. Cleveland and Baltimore, maybe. But Atlanta and Cincinnati. I don't know if this is going to continue. Many people point out they've still got Drew Brees and they've got Tom Brady and they've got Phillip Rivers. Absolutely. Could agree with you more. But it is getting better. i got to give a shout-out to Mike Hilton. What a difference this guy makes. He made two huge plays yesterday that forced the Ravens into kicking field goals. He goes up with a tight end, Mark Andrews, who's about a foot taller than he is, and knocks the ball away. And then a huge play, third and short, inside the five. They try that shtick, and that's what it is, with Lamar Jackson, and Hilton's right there and tackles him in the open field for a loss. That's a tremendous play. I also have to call out Chris Boswell. Yes, he had a field goal, which gave him a one-score, at that point, a two-score protection. But that's his fourth missed extra point. And it didn't come back to hurt them. But it does take away some of your momentum when you score a touchdown, then that happens. I thought it was very revealing, the sideline shot of Ben on the sideline after scoring that touchdown on his sneak, and then they missed the extra point, and you just saw his head go down. It's deflating. And it's not so deflating if it's 35-10, to 10, but it is when now you've given the Ravens life. It gives the other team a lift, and especially in that circumstance because now they know that all they need is a conventional extra point, don't have to go for two. It matters. And all of Boswell's misses have been to the right. Kickers have to self-correct. It's about time he did.